the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome to tonight's Andrea K Show. It is Hump Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy Hump Day out there to you guys. Glad to have you with me along for the ride as we get over the hump here. However, you getting over the hump. Hopefully you are enjoying yourself, maybe on your way home. We actually have a beautiful San Diego evening here. Hopefully the rain is behind us and we can all uh, scoot into the weekend enjoying ourselves. We actually have tons of great uh, stories to share with you guys, great topics, great ideas for you guys. We're going to have tons of fun on tonight's show as well as give you all the lowdown and all the down low of how low it is in D.C. Yeah, we're going to share all the ugly deets with you. If you miss any part of the show, download the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Email me at andreakshow.com, andreakshow.com. I promise, I know I say this every night and sometimes I forget, but I promise I'm going to save time later on in the show to read out some emails. So keep those coming at andreakshow.com. All right. Before I go any further, and by the way, before when I bring in my brother, are y'all emailing him? Are y'all, are y'all following him on the socials? Are y'all giving him topic ideas and communicating with him? Because you need to. Of course, I'm talking about the one and only. It's DJ Sesame Barcolini. Is there any way that you could just sock me out so that like I, I don't know that I'm at work? <laughs> it's true though i feel free to, to reach out to me everyone it's riley lewis 760 on x um please do not be a stranger i am so interested in any inquiries or questions or if there's any you know uh ideas if, if you want us to talk about certain stories just just let me know or have certain guests on the show you know just let me know that's mm-hmm. what i'm here for yeah now, uh, can you receive, I don't know how it works on X anymore in terms of this whole who you can message and who you can't with the check mark or whatever. Um, I think anybody can message you. Can they not? Anybody can message me, I believe, on on X. I don't think, I'm, I'm not one of these people with the, you got to subscribe to follow me business. And by the way, I ain't subscribing to anybody, okay? <laughs> Either it make your content available to AK or AK ain't interested. Okay, don't be putting me behind any kind of wall because I'm not exactly interested in getting on a ladder and climbing over to get at you. Okay, there, enough about that. All right, so, um, and speaking of, I'm glad you played that work clip because I actually have an article to talk about uh, in next hour that has to do with little Gen Z workers. Now, you're a hard worker, okay, even though you're part of the Gen Z crowd, but you don't represent... Uh, your community well, because they're quite the slackers. And we're going to talk about that next hour in, uh, because hour two is when we tend to get a little bit more into the culture area. Hour one, we tend to hit it hard on the latest and breaking news. In fact, there's some breaking news related to the economy and Joe Biden buying votes 
So you're going to of the young people of the Gen Z crowd. So stick around for that. But first, I feel like we got to start with today's latest push. The big story going on uh, across all the legacy media, which are the spokespeople for the Communist Party, which is the Democrats. It's all about, especially given the election that we've got going on, CPAC is happening right now, which is the conservative political action uh, conference that's happening right now in D.C. So all the talking heads in the Democrats, elected officials and in the in the and their meat puppet mouthpieces in the media are all pushing Ukraine today and how, oh, we got to get on the train and get the money to Ukraine. In fact, um, and and first of all, before I go any further, I've been feeling like I needed to apologize to y'all a little bit because I feel like I might have come across just just a possibility (laughs) that I might have come across as a little crass on Monday when I was made a couple references to it felt like instead of being President's Day that it was more dead Russian day. Uh, I didn't mean to come across as cross uh, as crass. What, you know, I mean, in course, uh, regarding a political prisoner that has been killed by his regime. Um, but sometimes I feel like I have to be a little hyperbolic in order to make a point. And the point is, is that so, so much if not all of Ukraine and it, it or, or not even that, but just when it's the, the mouthpieces in the media and they all have their coordinated talking points with the Democrats, so much about their narrative hyping that they've got going on is not just about a way to lie and smear um, about Trump and MAGA and what we're, what we're about, but it's also about deflecting the real issues. When they want you more upset about something that Putin did to one of his citizens instead of what they're doing to us with the open border, just one example, that's a deflection away from us. On top of the fact that the death of Navalny is now the latest talking point that the uh, communist in money laundering and great reset corrupted globalists within our own government are using to push money for Ukraine and to keep the spigot open to them. In fact, we've got a clip, Sesame, it's the bottom in the stack of Biden using Navalny's death to call upon Congress to to pass money for Ukraine. We have to stand up to Putin and pass the national bipartisan bill, the national security bill, supporting Ukraine as they defend themselves against Putin's vicious onslaught. The Senate's already acted. It's time for the House to act now because the votes are there. The Speaker needs to call a vote and abide by the will of the House. A clear majority supports what the Senate supports. So we can stand with Ukraine and send them the supplies they need to defend themselves and prove to the world once more America can be relied on. We stand strong with our allies. We have to remember who we are. We're the United States of America. We keep our commitments. We never walk away from our friends. I can't listen to that anymore. It's just making me more angry. You got to shut that off. Got to shut that off. Oh, it just infuriates me. We got to stand up to Putin. This is not our battle. There is no American interest going on over there. Putin, but whatever Putin is doing to Ukraine, it's not our battle. What promise did we make to Ukraine? They're not even a NATO member. Why are we, and why would we make any promise to them? One of the most corrupt countries on the planet, in the history of the world, we owe them nothing. 
And again, it's a distraction to keep you from focusing on the real national security risk. That's supposed to be what, what, what is a national security risk to the U.S., their border when our own is wide open. How stupid do they think that we are? And the majority of the American people are not on board with writing that check. And we need to be on the phone with Speaker Johnson and the rest of the Republicans and telling them, don't you dare. Don't you dare give another dime to them over there. And don't be emotionally manipulated with crap weasels like Christian Amanpour from CNN, who today was saying that she's heard from people on the ground that they've lost this really important city because they just couldn't get the help that they needed from the United States. Are we the only country that can give them help? If they were such a bastion, if this battle was such the wall between uh, standing for Western, uh, you know, the wall between Western civilization and freedom or the old Soviet Union, then where's the rest of the West to be giving them military aid? It's a bunch of crap. But let's go ahead and play the clip from uh, Christian Amanpour. What's absolutely clear is everybody we speak to, whether it's military, whether it's civilian, whether it's the civilian leadership or, or, or soldiers, they strongly believe that the lack of weapons and ammunition, particularly ammunition, is what's causing these incremental new gains by Russia. The foreign minister here told me yesterday that they would not have lost Avdivka if it had not been for the, uh, you know, as he put it, you know, lengthy debates uh, that have blocked up the weapons supply here, and that he said people on the front are paying. Let me be clear. I don't care. Could I be any more clear, Christian Amanpour? Not my battle. Maybe. If they're out of supplies, and by the way, we have no accounting for the money we've sent over there. We know that it's gone to prop up businesses, farmers, and, uh, you know, buying mansions and the rest. So we've had no accounting. But maybe it's time for them to be talking about uh, some peace negotiations. Let me be clear. On top of it not being our battle, on top of it not being a national security risk from us, on top of the fact that there's nobody believing that that in, in, coming next is Poland and the rest of the world, Putin doesn't uh, does not even have uh, that kind of capability to take over the world. None of us absolutely believe that. We're not going to be manipulated. You know, the, an, another another tactic that they've used to try to manipulate. Because this is because this is so much, uh, you know, a, a psychological operation was reportedly now. I don't know if you heard this, Sesame. Reportedly, Navalny actually penned right before he died, and I guess he knew he was going to be poisoned. I don't know. Uh, he uh, right before he died, he actually. <laughs> this is what they want me to believe, and Americans to believe that Navalny penned a warning to the world and to America about Trump and his presidency. <laughs> really, that's what Navalny was worried about? How dumb do they think we are, Sesame Broccolini? Oh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, really, it's it's just crazy. This whole... Look, I know I, 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 I think a few things can be true at once about this, this Ukraine stuff. I mean, the bottom line for me and for every American in my mind ought to be the fact that we just cannot afford it. 
We we are no. thirty four plus trillion dollars in debt, and we do not have the resources right now to fight multiple proxy wars at the same time. Um, and I don't, I don't. It doesn't serve our interests to be there. Look, you, look. I'm not. I don't. I don't look at Putin and think he's necessarily a good guy. He's he's running a big, powerful state. He wants to protect his own power. Fine, fair enough. There was some self-serving narrative in that interview he did with Tucker Carlson. But by and large, we've made this about a personal beef between the liberal Washington, D.C. establishment and the, and the Kremlin. We've made an enemy out of Russia when we could have had peace from day one. And I think most Americans know that by now. And so the, the you know, fundraising for Ukraine, it just rubs people the wrong way for so many reasons. It's a shakedown. It feels corrupt. Here's your four-step corruption plan. We're forced to pay taxes. Biden sends that tax money to Ukraine. Ukraine funnels it right back to Hunter. Hunter gives mm-hmm. some to the big guy. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. there's your laundering scheme. So I think most Americans at this point know that it's really, they call it foreign aid, but it really right. looks a lot more like money laundering. What, yeah, and what it is is election aid for them. This whole thing now is about, they're, now they've got to try to turn it with this phony alleged uh, on his deathbed, you know, uh, letter warning about trump that now they're trying now they're trotting out the old uh you know trump is a putin puppet uh nonsense putin himself said the other day you know that that uh biden was the one who was predictable not trump biden has done everything for putin from day one in his presidency he removed sanctions against russia he removed our keystone pipeline took away our our energy independence on his he gave an address to let's remind everybody or you may recall that on uh, the press conference he did on his first 100 days in office the first he was asked about putin who was already already uh amassing you know military you know armaments and different things around ukraine and biden was asked well what do you think you know putin's gonna do well will he invade and he said well of course he's gonna invade what other options i mean he was literally pushing putin to invade and why would he want that because for this reason so that they could funnel money through ukraine on a money laundering scheme Cover another sideline benefit to them was covering up the crimes that were were conducted between Joe Biden and his son with Ukraine as a part of the energy sector. What's the other story we've been hearing about? The other story we've been hearing about is the informant who said that there was a bribery scheme and they had documentation on the FD-1023 form about the uh, Burisma bribery scheme is a Russian asset. He's a Russian spy. So now it's all about how they can use the intelligence community that should have absolutely no credibility in your mind anymore as well as the military industrial complex and uh, and, and the establishment using the, the Pentagon in combination with the intelligence community to control our elections through lies and through manipulations. And that's what's going on here. We're going to take a break. We come back. Another way that they're trying to control the election is through buying votes. And Joe Biden made an announcement today in, in the course of doing that. We're going to talk about that when we come back. Andrea K. Telling you like it is while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea K. Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Y'all might remember 
that uh, Joe Biden uh, campaigned on in 2020 and then uh, attempted to fulfill the promise of just completely wiping away student loan debt that people willingly took out in their names and made the promise and got educations, uh, some of which are at, you know, some of the most expensive, I considered Ivy League institutions in this nation, uh, some of which a lot of these students coming from very wealthy families. And uh, Joe Biden made the promise to wipe those away. Uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi had said he campaigned on it. And then when it didn't happen immediately, Nancy Pelosi actually came out and said that Joe Biden does not have the power as the executive to just do an executive order and try to wipe them away. Of course, he turned right around and tried to do that. The Supreme Court ruled against him. And yet since then, he has managed, apparently, I guess, to find uh, loopholes through the education department. Um, in order to do, quote, loan forgiveness through something called the SAVE plan. Um, he, and he made an announcement uh, today that he is forgiving a total of $1.2 billion in student debt for roughly 153,000 borrowers. This through the Saving on a Valuable Education Repayment Plan, uh, which, according to the Hill here, made changes to income-driven repayment plans in the wake of the Supreme Court decision overturning his more ambitious loan debt cancellation plan. Uh, under the SAVE plan, those who borrowed less than $12,000 can have their debt forgiven after 10 years of payments. So uh, basically what it is is what Joe Biden initially wanted to do was just wipe away everybody's debts. Uh, now, I guess he's still wiping away billions of dollars in debts, but it's not a wholesale everybody who had a loan. There's conditions on it. Uh, in other words, um, you have to be eligible. Uh, in, in making his announcement today, I pulled a clip, Sesame, of what he had to say regarding this, if you can play that. Look, early in my term, I announced a major plan to provide millions of working families with debt relief for their college student debt. Tens of millions of people in debt were literally about to be canceled, their debts. But my MAGA Republican friends in the Congress, elected officials and special interests, stepped in and sued us. And the Supreme Court blocked it. It blocked it. But that didn't stop me. I announced we were going to pursue alternative paths for student debt relief uh, for as many borrowers as possible. And that's the effort that's been underway the last two years. Yeah, a couple things. Um, he's got to try to blame it on MAGA. You know, there's Democrats, a lot of hard hats out there, independents out there, a lot of low and middle income people that are mad as hell that they are going to be burdened with paying off the debt for people that chose, took a name, took a loan out in their name and promised to repay it in exchange for a college education. And if they can't pay it off for whatever reason, that is not my responsibility. This is buying debts through the treasury and put, and, and by the way, there is no such thing as loan forgiveness. I'm not that familiar with all the ins and outs, but people are pointing out that what this is, is that this is, the debt has to be repaid. It's just it's just income redistribution. It's nationalizing the student loan debt. It's not wiping it away. And why should I? And you know what? Let's say it is just MAGA that objected to this. 
Why should MAGA pay anybody else's debt? Or even if it was wiped away, why I paid off, it took me 11 years to pay off every dime of my student loans. And let me tell you, there were times I had, there was one time, for example, after I moved out here, and I've told this story many times, it's been a while though, I had $5 for the entire week to eat on. And I bought a bag of potatoes, one of those big sacks, because I thought, you know what, I can eat hash browns for breakfast, french fries for lunch, and baked potato for dinner. Because that's how I rolled. I, did, I would have never expected anybody to pay off my student loan debts. This is a, outrageous. Buying votes from people and not using his money. And let me tell you, this is not a, um, like the border, this is not universally a winning policy initiative. Because like I said, when this was first announced, there was a whole lot of angry people, a lot of angry voters out there, people like me who paid off their debt. There was one father who was a Democrat who said he worked two jobs to pay off his daughter's debt. Somebody going to come back and reimburse me now? This is discriminatory. And our founder said that when the people realized that they could start voting um, to enrich themselves, uh, to paraphrase, we were kind of done as a nation, right, Sesame? I mean, it's it's just it's it's a fantastically terrible idea. I I don't I can't imagine it would be that popular with most people, especially people who had to work and put themselves through college or go to community college first because it's cheaper and apply for financial aid and li- and live on on you know um, whatever it is you know job you're able to get working in college. It's 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 just. It's another handout. It's a, it's a bribe for a lot of voters, and and it's just like you're saying. It's an oxymoron. I mean, there's there's no you can't just wave a wand and make debt go away. Debt forgiveness is a nice idea. Democrats, I'll give them this. They're very good at coming up with these f- cutesy sounding names for their bad ideas. Debt right. forgiveness. Well, gee, doesn't that sound nice? We could just live in this world where you know you're not really held responsible for the uh, you know the consequences of your own actions. You sign a contract. You take out debt. You're a competent adult. But it's not really on you. We'll just give you the safety net. And if you don't want to pay it, then you don't have to anymore. And some, you know, rich corporation will just handle it. How about how here's an idea actually. Why don't we start going after these super elitist colleges with giant endowments mm-hmm. that are overcharging students in large part because they know that Uncle Sam is gonna back them up if they can't afford to pay back the loan. Now you just create a positive feedback loop where where Harvard's like, well, we can just start charging a million dollars a year for tuition, right? Because if they can't pay it back and they can't pay it, well, then Uncle Sam's going to take care of it, right? And just send the bill to, you know, some some billionaire or whatever. So, yeah, it's right. just it's a completely right. terrible idea. Yeah. And then on top of it, uh, the, most of the, what, what we are paying for. I mean, it's 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 a terrible idea on its face. But even if it was actually re, uh, paying off loans for people with degrees that were actually contributing mm-hmm. to society, mm-hmm. uh, civil engineers, mechanical engineers, technology degrees, and all of that, and these were like traditional, um, you know, no, we're we're supposed to pay off somebody else's loan and on top of it pay off loans for which they've gone to these crap head commie you know in in breeding grounds to churn out little socialist soldiers for the state with degrees in gender studies and how to hold rallies like black lives matter hell no that's a hell no and then on top of it another bad aspect of it is that it continues to further and seep into the minds of Americans uh, an entitlement 
an entitlement to other to you know they don't they, the average american doesn't realize the government has no money they either take it from one citizen and give it to another or they borrow it and give it to another and one of the reasons why we're 34 trillion in debt but the mindset that somebody is owed something or that if r- their life gets rough the government steps in and makes it easier for them it's one of the reasons why i've argued against fema and i said that and i had a lot of people questioning my negative comments about FEMA after Katrina, because there was not one neighborhood that wasn't negatively affected, if not destroyed, where I didn't have family or friends. But it was still the government's, res- it's, but it's never the government's responsibility to make your life whole. If you, my family that had insurance in their homes were able to rebuild, the ones who didn't, didn't. Why, why is it, why is it the taxpayers in Iowa's job to rebuild you a home that you didn't have insured in an area that flooded? It's not the government's job to come in and make your life easy or to fix whatever problems you have. If somebody steals my purse and rips me off and steals my identity, you know, the citizens of of San Diego supposed to reimburse me for the cost of my handbag, you know, my cash in my wallet, um, anything, any, uh, you know, issues or convenience that I suffer. No, no. So that's another terrible aspect of this. And it continues. This is this is one of the ways in which they continue. This is an aspect of the cultural Marxist uh, movement as much as it is an economic buying votes plan. And it, it's all tied together. And it's a terrible idea. And later on in the show, we're going to be talking about Gen Z workers. And that's all a part of it as well. Because, you know, if people feel like the government's job is to come in and rescue their fellow taxpayers, then, well, you know, why should I work hard? Why should I go and get a degree that's worth something where I can actually be a contributing member of society and make an income? I'll just go get whatever degree I want. And if I can't get a job at it, I just, you know, don't have to pay the loan. No. This is not what this country was founded on. This country owes you nothing but opportunity and not a dime out of anybody else's pocket. Stay with us. We got more to talk about on tonight's Andrea K. Show. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea K on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K show. Shifting gears, um, guess who's back in the news? Julian Assange is back in the news and back in a UK courtroom. He is pretty much on his last, it's a last ditch effort to avoid extradition back to the US. And you recall, you may recall, that he has been indicted on 17 counts of violating the Espionage Act, one count of misuse of a computer. And he obviously has been in prison and or in exile for many years. This case goes back 15 years. And if he can get a couple of these, he's in a UK court, if they rule against him, he's on getting his final appeal. If they rule against him, he could, I think, go to the European Human Rights Commission, I think, and ask them, uh, to stop the extradition, the U.S. Attor- uh, uh, there were uh, attorneys representing the U.S. government that were at the in the U.K. courts saying that he needs to be prosecuted um, because he has posed his actions went far beyond journalism. They said he wasn't just publishing; that he actually was involved in hacking and stealing of these documents, and that um, the publication of these has resulted in uh, grave risks 
and imminent danger of those. And um, hacking is illegal. He has not been convicted of hacking. If he did, I certainly feel like he's already paid a price for that. And the rest of it is um, publishing and a free speech issue, in my opinion. And um, and it's interesting that um, that well, there's so much that's interesting about this. I'm trying to decide which where I want to go with this. But well, you know what just popped in my head. I'll stick with this. If I if I jump around. Uh, that's okay. And you can email me your thoughts, andreakshow.com. But, you know, I'm thinking, you know, he is a publisher in the free press, right? Uh, if he hacked and stole the documents, that's one thing that has not been proven. Set that aside for a moment. What he did was he published, I think it had to do with Guantanamo Bay, Iraq, and Afghanistan. I'm not sure, first of all, that he published anything that wasn't already leaked by our own government at some point to make uh, George W. Bush look bad at some point over the Iraq war. Because one of the things that we know for sure, whether we're talking about the Iraq war, the Afghanistan war, or certainly since uh, um, Donald Trump came down the escalators in 2015, that leaking classified information to the press so that they can push a narrative and control the outcome of elections is just, you know, um, every day. It's Tuesday at noon in Washington, D.C. So why in the world are they going after a publisher when they leak themselves to The New York Times, to CNN, to MSNBC and every other media outlet? In fact, did they not just release supposed classified information that uh, in order to try to push a vote to get funding for Ukraine, that Russia had some kind of nuclear space capability, leaking classified intel to the, to the media in order for political purposes is what our own government is doing. So why in the world would I support them bringing a publisher back to the U.S. for persecution and prosecution, particularly since, as Thomas Massey po- posted on X, that going back to 2013, uh, the then Obama Department of Justice, while current president Joe Biden was president, um, they declined to pursue charges against Mr. Assange at that point. Hmm. Before I go on, is there anything that you want to add before I get into some more of the details uh, that Thomas Massey has correctly pointed out here? Anything you want to add at this point, Sesame? Just two little things. One, I mean, it's bad when I guess anyone violates the law or or leaks information that shouldn't be leaked. Um, And and the other point is, you know, uh, there's a conflict internally for me between freedom of speech and journalistic duty and what the American people deserve to know and also – Secrets that probably shouldn't see the light of day necessarily because they could Agreed. be seen by someone who's actually adversarial to the United States and looking to, you know, implement our downfall or, or, or attack us. So I, I think it is it does for me depend a little bit upon the nature of the information that was leaked. But I'm not even saying he hacked anything like I, I don't I want to see where this goes. I, innocent until proven guilty. That's my mindset right now. Yeah, well, Thomas Massey put out a couple of things. He said that. um the well, let me back up to what he did, and I encourage you guys because I'm not going to read this entire post. It's very lengthy, um, but he starts out by saying he and Representative McGovern and 13 other representatives and Senator San Paul, Senator Rand Paul, sent a bipartisan letter, which in- actually included members of the squad, uh, to Biden, expressing um, ha- uh, 
that they are committed to the principles of free speech and freedom of the press and that uh, they are asking for the administration to withdraw the extradition request. He goes on to say um, that um, in regards to the 1917 Espionage Act, he says in the letter, we note that the 1917 Espionage Act was ostensibly intended to punish and imprison government employees and contractors for providing or selling state secrets to enemy governments, not to punish journalists and whistleblowers for attempting to inform the public about serious issues that some U.S. government officials might prefer to keep secret. We are aware that the, and then he goes on to talk about broader foreign policy implications. He said, we are aware that the Assange case has been cited by officials of the People's Republic of China to claim that the U.S. is hypocritical when it comes to its purported support for uh, media freedom. He says, we are also well aware that should the U.S. extradition and prosecution go forward, there is a significant risk that our bilateral relationship with Australia be badly damaged. Because remember that Assange is an Australian national. Um, So, yeah. Uh, we certainly would look hypocritical on the world stage, if we're, and, and not even hypocritical in terms of media freedom, but like I said, our own government in which they, excuse me, leak constantly to the media in order to further their politics. Any comment you want to make about uh, the foreign policy uh, 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 implications? I mean, it's – I. <sighs> Again, I just feel kind of torn about it. Some of it's information. I mean, information the U.S. government would prefer not to see the light of day. It's like, well, I guess it depends on, you know, how big or how severe the implications are. It's 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 it just it's a little speculatory for me. So I, I don't really know that I have a lot to add on that point. Well, I just I, I feel as though at this point, um, fifteen years later, whose lives are at a risk from this intel? This is just a dog and pony show is what's going on here. This is a way to try to suppress conservative media in this country. Just like throwing the Americans into into the gulag on Jan Jan 6 was meant to chill and to quell rallies in the expression of of, uh, opposition to the government. That's Mm -hmm. what this is. They want to perp walk Assange and send a message that you dare to speak up against this government and you dare to share anything that we, we get to share whatever we want to share. And anything related to the government and our behavior and anything that we're doing better not be shared to anybody or we're going to perp walk you and throw you in the gulag. That's what I, that's what, why I care about Assange. I've never really spoken up about Snowden or Assange before, because I don't like, I don't like, I'm with you um, when it comes to our intelligence, when it comes to our military assets, um, and when it comes to everything related to the our national security, we need to not be, you know, um, going public with it in any way, shape, or form, in any way that could, could jeopardize our safety. But our U.S. government let the Chinese Communist Party fly a balloon over our military installations and suck up our data. So this Julian Assange prosecution is not about protecting any American lives. They're also letting just 
you know, on that point, <laughs> I mean, tangentially, they're also letting Chinese nationals possibly link to the CCP buy farmland right next to military right. sites with really sensitive, precious yeah. equipment and software and secrets. So it's it's crazy how that is happening. Anyway, I'm just the fact that you went there just reminded me of, of the fact that it's exactly. not just a spy balloon to fly over the military sites. It's also the fact they're buying all the land around the military sites. And the U.S. government's like, okay, the Biden administration, no issue with that. No problems. Yeah. Well, and neither did Nikki Haley, apparently, because, you know, the primary is next week in South Carolina. I thought it was yesterday. I was so excited. I just was so excited to see her go down in flames. Oh, by the way, she was doing interviews today. What in the name of Anna Wintour was this woman wearing today in these interviews? I don't know what the heck that was. Um, it, 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 you know, she is just a complete disaster. But Vivek Ramaswamy was in South Carolina today and, and going into excruciating detail, as only he can, about her. He was at some business in South Carolina today, and he had so many details about how she had brought Chinese companies that were their competitors into the state and gave them financial incentives to move there and set up shop to compete against these American businesses. I mean, it was more painful than my eyes seeing this flowered jacket she had on today in an interview. All right, we're going to take a break. We come back. we got more to talk about, so don't go anywhere. This is the Andrew K Show on AM 1170, FM 96.1, and streaming all over the world. Bringing the world a much-needed reality check. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. Um, one, of the, one of the benefits of going to the doctor used to be getting to read the National Geographic magazines that they had in there, as well as a little thing called Reader's Digest. Sesame Broccolini, have you ever even heard of Reader's Digest? Sure, I've heard of Reader's Digest. Oh, yeah. Okay. Have you ever seen one? Yeah, but only in the uh, waiting room. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things I used to love was, and so did all my family, was we had, I've talked about this many times, we had so many different sets of encyclopedias that we would just sit and read and just love those so much while the pictures and just loved encyclopedias we were growing up. We also loved the Reader's Digest, Reader's Digest condensed books. And they would come in little volumes and there would be like eight books or sometimes four, sometimes six. Because it just, you know, not every novel can be, you know, condensed down to something really small. Oh, my gosh. I used to love those so much. Uh, just so such such great stuff. Um, but anyway, and of course, my parents had... Um, in part because of the um, what was the big Reader's Digest giveaway every every year um, publish no that was the Publishers Clearinghouse so the big uh, the Publishers Clearinghouse giveaway Mama would order all these magazines right and one was the National Geographic so I grew up loving my generation Gen X we loved National Geographic until today. Because National Geographic has named a drag queen one of its 2024 Travelers of the Year, Sesame Broccolini. Drag queen Wynne Wiley, known as Patagonia, 
how clever, right, is being hailed as an outdoors inspiration and a traveler of the year in a recent Nat Geo article titled, They Inspire Us and Teach Us About the World, Meet Our 2024 Travelers of the Year. The magazine talked about Patagonia, quote, helps LBGTQ plus youth discover the wonders of the outdoors. As founder of the nonprofit Outdoorist Oath, she brings the queer community together in the parks and wild spaces of Oregon, her home state. Anybody there with, uh, uh, you know, adult supervision? Any, uh, what are they, what are they called when somebody um, goes as the. What, chaperone? Chaperone, yeah. Who's sending their kids out into the woods with Patagonia the drag queen? <laughs> There, I said it. Nagio added that the drag queens, quote, feel good music videos address environmental justice and pride in identity and include collaborators such as cellist Yo-Yo Ma and indigenous trans musician Quinn Christofferson. Oi, I didn't know Yo-Yo Ma was involved in this. Come on. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Nagio goes on to say, Every year, my community fund. Oh, this is Patagonia who told Nat Geo. Every year, my community fundraises to send ten queer youth on a fully scholarship backpacking trip. One of the attendees told me and the group around the fire, "Being on this trip has helped me reclaim a childhood I didn't get to have. That's everything to me." Um, after being asked for his top travel tip. Patagonia advised that readers, quote, get up before the sun rises, go out, walk about, and watch the world wake up. Ay, ay, ay. Nagio said, how do you define your drag style to Patagonia? Who replied, campy, witty, sustainable, and apologetic. A lady in the streets, but a freak on the peaks. I think I'm going to lose my lunch and start hurling Buicks here any moment. Um... This is just, oh, and Nat Geo also went on to name eight others, um, including uh, Pasta Granny's author, Vicki Benenson, who's referred to, I don't know who Patsy Gra- Pasta Granny's is, hospitality, I don't know. This is just, that we can't have one area of our culture, sesame, that they're not bastardizing and shoving this trans crap down our throats. It's gross. thoughts well i i mean i mean so much of it is sad i mean part of it is is sad just because for some reason why is it of all things national geo feels compelled to normalize degeneracy and to and to promote such a sinful um hedonistic lifestyle and way of going about the world but what i also don't understand the two other things is that number one honestly why does it feel like they keep just it's like they want to make every child in America gay. I don't understand why. It's not a knock on the alphabet community. It's not a knock on, on acquaintances of mine that are that way. But I just don't understand why is it the last five years it feels like it's been one giant mission to make every young child in America homosexual. I, I just don't well, understand and fact, why. And, and, and right now it's really about the world. That's why Nat Geo did this because this is about indoctrinating the world. They've clearly already gotten a grip on the American psyche. When we have the Pediatric Association and the AMA supporting the mutilation of children's bodies and supporting 
toddlers being put on puberty blockers. So now they've got to indoctrinate the world. They've got to go to all the other, uh, every corner, every crevice of the world in order to shove this despicable degeneracy and lunacy on the world. No place is safe. No place is safe. All right, we're going to take a break. We've got hour two coming up. So much more uh, topics and different things to share with you guys, including emails from the listeners. We're going to talk about the Red Cross. Why do they want to know your vaccination status before you can give blood now? Gen Z's in the workplace and so much more. So come on back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 